Hello. Hello. Yeah, 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 but yeah, I can hear you. I am here. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm making sure my headphones are like properly in. How are you? This is a late one again, but you have had shitty shifts again this week. Yeah, that interfere well with your pattern of sleep. So, uh, uh, doesn't help. Well, my my pattern of sleep. You mean the fact that I've got to be up at six a.m. for work? Yeah, but I meant like you had to be in bed by. Oh, it's a decent time to have to get up at six. Yeah, I don't want to be like. And also, I've got to upload this. So when this we can record for over an hour, but then I've got an extra like half an hour. I did on that. I did onto that just to get it uploaded. Yeah, so that that's what I meant. That obviously, if we if you know after I finish, you you know your sleep pattern would just get completely messed up having to be up it. Yeah, plus I get drowsy once I take my medication, so I would yeah. just literally fall asleep. <laughs> but this is your week this week. Yes, it is. It is my week, and yeah, I. I I'm surprised this uh, this this case I hadn't even heard of. To be fair, because I feel like this case got definitely some uh, quite a lot of traction because okay. it's from the UK. Um, I found this one so quick. I literally t uh, maybe didn't even Google much, and this one popped up, and I thought, you know what? It's from the UK. I'm surprised I haven't heard of this guy before. Why not? And I think it's I think it's because when they come from the UK and you haven't heard of them, and in a case like this where it probably at the time got a lot of traction on the media and stuff, I would have thought that years later, I would have at least heard it cropping up again. Or at least heard something about it. But, oh, yeah. today's case, we are covering, I mean, he's got the most generic name ever, Philip Smith. He's got Smith. such a generic name that on like, Wikipedia, it has to put in brackets, criminal, because other people will have that name. Yeah, I was about to say that, it's most generic, uh, yeah, yeah. Phillips, oh god, he looks, oh jesus. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. Oh yeah, the first photo, because you get a million other Philip Smiths. The photo's just like... That's the only one that I was seeing of him in that. What the hell? I didn't even realize what t-shirt he was wearing. It's like some... Skull and crossbone guy in a motorcycle with a werewolf, which looks pretty. Actually, there's an even better image. He's wearing like a pretty badass top, which is a shame because he's a fucking sick individual. Oh yeah. Which is fucking horrible. But yes, we're covering the case of Philip Smith. Do you think you recognise this guy? Maybe. No, no, I don't recognise this guy. I mean, I didn't want to saw the images, and I didn't recognise the story. But, uh, yeah, this is a case in the UK that happened in the time in the time that I was born, near the year 2000 sort of realm. So I was alive. I was so young that I wouldn't have remembered this Dude, at all. I was two when this happened, so... Yeah, so I thought, but because I thought it was the UK, I thought, okay, maybe this case would crop back up in later years again. But in terms of disclaimer for this one, just off the top of my head while I'm looking through, blood, uh, murder, um, I want to say assault, people getting assaulted, 
again, I never do too heavy cases, so that's why I'm not entirely sure, but I think... The difference between oh. mine and your disclaimers is really funny, because, like, well, it's not funny, it's just, yours is, yours is, yours is, is, this will contain, like, assault, and murder, and blood, and I'm just like, this will contain sodomy. <laughs> it, it's like... Everything <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I've got my boyfriend in the room with me right now, and he's the look he's just giving me when I said sodomy. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of different. <laughs> that 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 was a very concerning laugh. Uh, yeah, there's probably more stuff, but like I say, if I realize I didn't say it, and then I come to it. But unless I cover a case that's super heavy, yeah. where the main stuff, like all the horrific stuff, just are whoa stick in the head that sort of thing but when you cover stuff where they just people get murdered and they don't go into tons of detail um yeah you get the idea so uh let's begin the case of philip smith another uk case i'm coming back to the uk so uh this guy's full name which his middle name's even more generic philip john smith philip john smith jesus christ what he's a generic a, name he's he's i can see his personality being fucking boring well, he's, a, well, he's a, spree well, uh, so, it's a spree killer, so, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, date of birth is the 10th of July, 1965, in uh, his hometown of Gloucester, England. Oh, great, Gloucester. Sorry, but yes. the last time we covered a case from Gloucester, it was Fred and Rose West. Um, and it's... <laughs> I see when I see when I read this one, I'm like, it's Gloucester. I'm like, oh, the Americans listening... <laughs> try and, go and try and pronounce that, eh? Um, yeah, because they always do Gloucestershire or Gloucestershire. Or Gloucester or Glouc- whatever. Glouc- or whatever. Yeah. Gloucester. Uh, occupations. Uh, it's weird because his occupations are just mixed because he didn't really have a job or didn't sustain a job. So occupations were fairground worker. He looks like Odd. he looks like one of the dodgy fairground workers that you see in the local park. He does look like it, to be fair. Odd jobber, which is the which when I go into detail later on, odd jobber just means someone who just does bits here and there, and a taxi driver at one point. He also looks like a taxi driver. Yes, <laughs> he does look like a star- he look he drives black cabs and he moans about Uber. Yeah, well, Uber wasn't around in 2000, was it? If he was around, if he was not, oh, if he, if, if he didn't if he was murder not. anyone and he was still a taxi driver, he'd be a black cab taxi driver kicking off about Uber. He definitely would, but <laughs> yes. Um, and he has three children. Who the fuck has shagged that? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I never like to judge people's appearances, but in the cases like this, it's like, yeah, no, taking one look at taking one look at that guy, I'm like, oh dear. We've said this before. If this was anyone else on the planet, we would not make fun of their appearance, their penis size, or anything like that. But when there's, but when they're a murderer, it's really? fine. Don't make fun of anyone's penis penis size. I made we made fun of um, Golden I'm State the Golden State Killers yeah. well, because he had a micro penis. So apparently, had the texture of sandpaper. He had a sandpaper chode, sandpaper chode, sandpaper chode. Na 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 na. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, well, that was funny though, because he was a fucking sick individual, so he deserved it. True. Um. Um. So yeah, well, I can't say the other stuff because it'll give away what he does, but you can all probably guess what he did. 
Um, so yeah, so let's go into this man's background. So, Philip John Smith was born at the City Maternity Hospital in Gloucester on the 10th of July, 1965. Uh, he was the oldest of five children to sawmill labourer Henry John Smith and his wife, Rose Smith, knee Wilkins. Um, Smith's family initially lived in Midland Road. And this is how I found this case, because... Well, if you know anything, Smith's family initially lived in Midland Road, where and um, well, where they were neighbours of serial killers. Fuck off. Fred and Rose West. Fuck off, nah, no way. Before moving to Haley's Road on the Coney Hill Council Estate in 1971. This is a bigger, so, yes. this is a bigger crossover than when Hannah Montana and that's all Raven went with Sweet Life. Whoa! I mean, <laughs> if I was going to give an example of a great crossover, that's it's a crossover. Uh, Phil Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron. I mean, oh, what I a crossover that was. You went straight for Nickelodeon and I went straight for Disney crossovers. But f- So they lived next door to Fred and Rose West when he was growing up. Midland Road. I want to say, it just said they were neighbours of the serial killers. So maybe they were... No. Neighbours could have met like down the, just in the street. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, but you would have met them, probably interacted with it. Yes. That's how I found it. Because just out of curiosity, I was on... Serial killers, and then Fred Williams West po- popped up, and then his name popped up on their wiki page as well, I think, or somewhere similar to that. So, like, oh, who's this guy then? I was like, did he ever interact? But it didn't say much. But the fact is, he was in the um, well, neighbors of, depending on how you view them, the most infamous serial killers from the UK. Yeah, I'd definitely say Fred and Rose are up there. I think out of every true crime case I've ever researched, I think theirs knocked me sick the most. Yes. Well, I would definitely, you know someone is up there on the case for the most infamous where the place of residency had to be knocked down because you don't want any thing or any relation to them or where it was just existing boof that that uh, that ups there because we've covered serial killers beforehand where the places that stuff happened they're still there but yeah, like, haven't uh, like been destroyed Dennis, Dennis Nielsen's um both of his mm-hmm. houses he was a fucked individual but the fact that Frozen West actual house they were like no 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 we need to destroy that shit and we cannot have that even being still standing but yeah he was uh, in the neighbours of Redmond West before moving to Hay- Hales Road or the Coney Hill Council Estate in 1971. The family's financial situation deteriorated when Smith's father was injured in a motoring accident. Smith attended Coney Hill Infants and Junior School before being transferred to a special school for children with learning difficulties. He left school at age 14 to join his father's new employer, Billy Danter's Fun Fair, which toured extensively throughout the UK. It would be so weird if somebody actually uh, listening now had went to that. Uh, probably this doesn't exist anymore, probably. He worked out of season as a farmhand labourer and security. As a young adult, Smith moved to Tweaksbury and then rose on Y, where he lived with a female partner. Probably pronounced them wrong. It is English town names, so... I butcher every fucking town name. Tweaksbury and Ross. Ross? 
Wash on why? Wash on why? I can well. speak very good. I can speak like perfect English outside of this podcast, but the second I start recording, I can't speak for shit. I just get you can't speak any language. I get I get muddled up. I can't do shit. So whenever it's like, oh Lauren, do a case from a different country, I'm like, I'm gonna butcher half the shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they had three children between 1990 and 1992, but Smith left the family and moved to Cardiff when the relationship became difficult. So he had three children with a female partner between 1999-92. So whoever that was. Why did you father children with him? There are some you... people where I look at them and think, who the fuck is... Like, with serial killers especially, like, some, like you get the few where it's like, no, you only think you only, you only only think they're not attractive because you know what they've done. But you get a few of them where you're thinking, no, they look like a shoe. Why are you shagging that? That is... It's funny you say he looks like... He does look like a shoe. Does you mention that? He looks like... The shoe, he looks like the end of a clown shoe. <laughs> if it was kind of like worn out. Oh my god, yeah. Um, he then spent a year in Ireland lodging with a travelling family who took pity on him while he was hitchhiking in County Westmeath. They allowed him to live rent-free in a spare caravan while he contributed a portion of his unemployment benefit towards food. However, they asked Smith to leave when they became uncomfortable about sexual remarks he had made to young women in the family. Way, he's a pedo too, what a shot. Smith uh, moved to Birmingham towards the end of 1999 and stayed briefly at the Trinity Centre, a hostel for the homeless in Digbeth before moving to a property managed by a housing association in Braithwaite Road in Sparkbrook. He became well known and was a regular patron of local businesses such as the Shamrock Cafe on Stratford Road and of the Rainbow Pub in Digbeth, where he was employed on a casual basis as an odd jobber and served as an unofficial taxi driver for drinkers. Smith received over 30 criminal convictions for minor offences beginning in May 1984 when he was fined £100 for theft. His record also included handling stolen goods, burglary and driving without a licence, but no violence. At 6 foot 4 and weighing 22 stone, with a disheveled appearance and a soft West Country accent, Smith was considered gentle by those he met. In an interview with the Birmingham Evening Mail following Smith's trial in July 2001, Jim Smith, pro- proprietor of the Shamrock Cafe, said, He was a gentle giant, who we named Bigfoot, because his boots always used to leave black marks on the floor. 99% of the time, he had a dirty appearance and looked like he had been working on a car. Does look so, like that, to be fair. Yeah, it's weird when people say like, oh, this person was like a gentle giant, they couldn't have hurt anyone, and then they do. And then they must think, oh, I've attracted every statement of saying they were a gentle, kind, and nice person, because they were not. Yeah. But yeah, I love the, again, the name Bigfoot, because he, his boots would always used to leave black marks on the floor. That's someone being dirty. Then how they get the term Bigfoot. He does look like he is filthy, doesn't he? He does. Do, he lo- he looks like he don't. He don't have a bath. Yeah, the whole bearded look, kind of. Not the bearded look. He just looks like he. He looks like he sweats a lot. <laughs> I don't want to think about him sweating. 
does. That's a horrible thought. He looks like he does. Looks like he actually does heavy sweating. <laughs> Poo wee. So now we're going to talk about his uh, murder spree. Yeah, he definitely stinks a beer. Uh, yes, get that guy some Lynx Africa, man. A whole two, two, two things of Lynx Africa. On the 8th of November 2000, Smith met 21-year-old Jody Hyde, a recovering butane gas addict from Alum Rock at the Rainbow Pub, and they were seen leaving together. Now, a butane gas addict? Now, that's something different. Like, uh, I've heard, we've covered cases where people have been addicted to drugs. I don't think we've ever covered someone who was addicted to butane gas. I remember... Uh, I've referenced this a couple times, or quite a lot of times. Um, I remember in Academy, we got a video shown about sniffing gas or sniffing chemicals. And, like, and they called it buzzing. It's like, don't do buzzing. Stop buzzing. And whenever people say, oh, I'm so buzzing now, I'm like, no, don't don't be buzzing. Don't be snorting. And it always fascinated me because when I saw that for the first time, I thought... There's no way kids and people are just sniffing aerosol cans to get high. I thought it was the most stupidest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Kids will sniff fucking anything to get high. It's like, did you not ever see the weirdos with the prick sticks in class? Oh, I, I, you'd smell the prick stick and it would be like, oh, that's horrible. But no, I wouldn't... I, I knew people that would literally, like, sniff it. And then, oh, to be fair, the people in my school were weird. So you had the prick stick... Someone put vapor rub on their eyelids. I don't know why. What? <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I had a friend that used to get the um. Jesus, what kind of school did I go to? Now I'm thinking about it. They used to get like the ends of like paint tubs, paint cans, where it's all dried up paint. They used to get that on the art table. They used to like make it into like powder, and they used to snort the paint. What school did I go to? What? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. I mean, Vicks vapor rub does help, does help use, but like people use a snort hand sanitizer. They rub it on the hands and then they go. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're from Manchester, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone from Manchester having nose like a fucking Colombian. Jesus Christ. Sorry if you're from Colombia. <laughs> That was a joke on the cocaine. But if someone from Colombia is listening, they're like, oh, we can't lie. Uh, cocaine is a big thing Too and a big issue. From Columbia, if you got, I'm probably thinking, who the fuck is sniffing paint? Yes. Here, here's the right stuff. Oh, But yeah, that's horrible if kids are fucking sniffing that. No wonder people turn up with bad grades if you're sniffing up all that stuff. That will rot your brain. To be fair, the people who were doing it did not do well in school, I can confirm. Uh, yes, because we have one. <laughs> Here we have one special guest. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, they were last seen together. He took her to a hospital appointment and later killed her. Prosecutors believe that he strangled her at his flat and dumped her body near a recreation ground near Golden Hillock Road in Sparkbrook, where he set a delight. The still smoldering, sorry, the still smoldering, smoldering remains were discovered at 6.15am next morning, 9th November, by two patrolling police officers. The body was barely recognisable and had to be identified using fingerprints. A subsequent post-mortem concluded that she had been strangled before being rolled up in a carpet and set on fire. This is his first murder? Yep. 
Bullshit. Well, to be fair, the whole like light rolling her in a carpet and lighting her on fire might have been a panic technique, but that seems a bit much for your first murder. And I love the f um, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that yeah, he's he's done the the whole roll up in a carpet and set it on fire, like the the like our serial killers seem to be so fucking like stupid. I know he set that on fire, but like they're gonna find the remains of the carpet. And like the next day, they found her body, which was still smoldering, which is absolutely horrible. But like any extra pieces of stuff that they use is more stuff to be found. And I say it in, in the love way, because I love how stupid serial killers are. Because they don't realize that if you commit a crime, no matter what you touch or whatnot, your prints are on that shit. So the more stuff you use, the more stuff that's your prints on it. And the more stuff you can be linked to. Uh, I, I don't get that, you know. And, um, I, 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 to be fair, that's an absolutely horrible way to, do, to die, though, is to be set on fire. Which, presuming she was dead and then he burnt the body. Um, but then three days later, Smith met Rosemary Corcoran, a 25-year-old mother of three from Castle Vale at the same pub. And again, they were seen leaving together. It was seen on CCTV later that he dragged her into his vehicle. He drove her to Worcestershire uh, before bludgeoning her to death and running over her body near Droitwich Spa. Her face was unrecognisable and the attack was extremely brutal. She was found at 8.30am on the 12th of November by a man walking his dog in a lane near Junction 5 on the M5 motorway. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that mm, that's his second murder. No, I'm calling bullshit. I think he's done something beforehand. That's 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 what the Wikipedia page said. Then there's nothing before that. Oh yeah, I know, I know, but there could. I, I feel like there's something that he's not confessed to that could have happened because that because you don't just jump straight away into doing something brutal like that with no build up because it just seems random. Yeah, I did think that when I was reading this, but I thought, well, you never know how someone's mind truly works. So something could have happened, but only as much evidence as that can be getting out of him or how much he wants to say, you know, and that sort of thing. But again, sadly, it's one of those cases where just a random person just doing a daily task. In this case, it was a man walking his dog finds... Um, a body and the fact is he was running over a body and when it said face was unrecognizable i can imagine he was just driving over a face yeah and that must be a horrible sight to just see in the morning when you when you're walking your dog um smith's third victim was carol jordan a 39 year old care home worker and mother of six from basil heath who was killed as she walked to work smith hit her from behind while uh, his car was driving back from worcestershire fracturing her hip Fearing that he would be caught, Smith moved her to another location and beat her so much that dental records were required to identify her corpse. The body was discovered at 8.50am on the 12th of November on Parkland next to Bell Barn Road, Lee Bank. In terms of the investigation, because this man's committed three murders, very close um, to each other, what the actual fuck's going on here? Um, very, very... Um, very weird. There's no like 
you know, no, nothing that, I mean, if, what people were saying, that he was a gentle, kind human being, for this stuff to just happen, it's just like, how does this happen out of the blue? So, when staff at the Rainbow Pub, the one that he did the weird odd jobs and shit at, which I believe, if I'm correct, Rainbow Pub, I think it still operates today. Yeah, the Rainbow Pub Digbeth. Um, it's one of... Um, iconic Digbeth pub. Must be weird to 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 for the people working there, or people that know the history, or people or people live in Birmingham. If you're listening from Birmingham, and wait, you know wait, about wait, the Dig, wait, wait. how did you pronounce that then? Birmingham. Oh, I thought you said Birmingham. Oh, it's like it's no. Birmingham. <laughs> no, I said Birmingham. Oh, I thought you said Birmingham. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm not even attempt a Burmese accent, but if yeah, there's people no. that are listening. Maybe they didn't even know that this there's there's a serial killer that um, obtained victims from here because he worked in the pub doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, but yeah, when staff at the Rainbow Pub told Smith of Corcoran's disappearance on the 13th of November, he telephoned the police station at Castlevale saying that he wished to give a statement. Significantly, his call came at 4 p.m., before the body was found in Worcestershire had been positively identified as Corcoran's, and within an hour, Smith had presented himself at Castle Vale. So, it's always that thing of you, you, you um, research a case and it's just like, oh, he, the, the killer phones the police to be like, oh, I, I, you know, to try and debtor the fact that it's them phoning the police and then, oh, I'll give a statement and this sort of thing something's happened but reacting so quickly is a massive flag to you know give that sort of like lead the scent off or in my eyes it is you know as soon as i hear about the um of a killer just like after them um you know there's word going about someone disappeared oh i'll just phone the police um oh i, I know some I, i'm gonna speak about something like this so um because actually, Detective Constable Ruth Wilkins later recalled Smith's phone call, um, in quotation marks. He said he would like to come to the police station to help with the inquiry and that he had seen Corcoran on Saturday night leave the pub with an unknown man. He insisted he would like to come over to the police station. He said he had been asked to contact the police by someone else and gave his mobile number. In his subsequent statement, Smith admitted to being at the Rainbow with Corcoran and a male friend, but claimed they were later separated when they went to another pub, the Kerryman, and the male friend was ejected. Um, Smith uh, said that he and Corcoran then went, then went to Monte Carlo's, a nightclub in Hansworth. And that when they left sometime later, Corcoran was confronted by a man he described as a teddy boy with whom she had argued at the Kerryman. Now, I meant to write down what a teddy boy was, but I wasn't entirely sure. Teddy boy? Yes. Oh! Um, oh, the whole rock and roll thing. Ah. I want a teddy boy's even, was it? There's no way someone was a teddy boy still there and then. And why he used the phrase teddy boy? Because those the teddy boys were like the, the, the people that were the fans of, um, that's a hairdo and a half. 
Yeah, the Teddy Boys were like the the, the, the people that were into like um, rock and roll and the rhythm and blues stuff, but did the heavy smoking sort of stuff. I, well, this article here says uh, um, Britain's original teen rebels for the time. You know, when in that time, what they were doing was considered rebellious, and in these days, that word means something different. But the fact, the fact, um. To be fair, people it, still use like different terms. Like, kind of like that, that don't really apply anymore, or don't really call people that anymore. So well, that's like, true. I, I mean. Like, I know, I, knew, I used to work with someone who still used the term chinwag, and I hated it. Well, would he just, like, sit there and yeah, actually like, say, oh, do you want a chinwag? The cheeky chinwag, like, what the fuck are you saying? And I knew what he meant, but I'm looking at him going, <laughs> no one says that anymore. A chinwag is just like a conversation for people who don't know. Yeah, it means conversation, but no one calls it a chinwag anymore. And I looked at him and like, I don't. Wait, why is he even called a chinwag? Oh, to be fair, Jacob calls it a chinwag. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He's so old. <laughs> Maybe it's just from certain areas, but like, I, I wouldn't say phrases like that. I mean, time. I mean, times are definitely changing because now than ever, the way the youth say stuff, adults have no idea what any but, of the youth. Is. Well, yeah, right, so this is a funny... So, for a prime example of that, that my boss at work, um, he calls WhatsApp WAP, and I'm like, don't say that. But don't, he puts it in work emails, I'm like, don't say that. And he'll just be like, well, that's just my abbreviation of it. And I'm like, well, he's saying, he's saying WAP because that was the original abbreviation for the internet back in the 80s, which no one uses anymore, especially not now based on what the term WAP now means and I I'm mean like, I know what the term WAP means and, and I'm like I'm like oh Chris you can't put WAP in a work email like it's called WhatsApp not WAP and he goes yeah but it's just my abbreviation for it and I can't go up to this almost 60 year old man and tell him what WAP actually means in a work environment it's, it's one of these situations where I just tell folk oh if I don't know what the meaning of something is, I'm like, I'm going to go in Urban Dictionary because Urban Dictionary is one of the best sources for just finding words that you just think, what is that? And like, I would be, I'd, I'd go to that guy and go, look, type this into Urban Dictionary and it'll tell you what it actually is. And then you'll know what you thought it was isn't. Because all those words that aren't in the dictionary, someone goes, well, that's what I think it means. And it's like, no. Go to the Urban Dictionary, which is the internet's dictionary where there's a ton of people who will put in stuff that they all know that what it means. So if you go and Google, well, actually, if I, I'll do it now. I know that's a bit of a, a bit of a diversion. But I swear, if I go and, what well, does he put in all caps, or does he just do it? D yeah, it just puts. It yeah, up. I mean, as soon as I've googled WAP, W A P. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes up is exactly what I thought it would be. So he, well, if he's listening. It's related to the song WAP by Cardi B. Uh-huh, it stands for... Wet ass pussy. Yes. yes. But in the in the relation thing to the, the him, uh, the whole t maybe there is Teddy Boys. Now, I know because of someone and the way they look and the whole fashion thing, there's still people that dress like uh, that, like um, they did back in the day for whatever style. There's probably still people that dress like New Romantics or people who still dress mod. Or I know there's still people who dress um, punk. And you can call them that because they dress that way. Like with us, you know, people might say, well, 
you know, emo isn't as big of a thing as it maybe was in its heyday, but people still dress like that. People still dress goth. You could still call them that. Oh, yeah. I just thought in the sense of teddy boys or the people that dress like 1950s rock and roll isn't as prevalent now as other styles of fashion from back in the day that people still dress now. And I know trends and stuff die out, but I think like certain subcultures, like, you know, calling someone emo isn't going to die out because there's a lot of people that still dress that and it's still a popular thing. Yeah. But in 2000, maybe there were still teddy boys, but I've just not seen. Maybe if you're listening and you do dress like you're 1950s in a 1950s rock and roll band, good on you. But I feel like out of any sort of like fashion sense, music wise or whatnot, that's kind of dead in the water now. But yes, he described the man as a teddy boy whom he had argued at the Kerryman. Smith said that the man became aggressive, so he asked Cora Corin if she wanted to go home, claiming that she told him she did not. He said he then left. The murder investigation, named Operation Green, was led by Sir Edward Crewe, Chief Constable of West Midlands Police, and included 100 police officers and 50 support staff from the West Midlands and West Mercia Forces. Detectives viewed hundreds of hours of CCTV footage, gathered more than 100 separate exhibits, and interviewed witnesses. Evidence was analysed by scientists from the Forensic Science Service, FSS, in Birmingham. Martin Whitaker, the scientists who headed the FSST, um, spoke of the huge volume of evidence. The team pulled, uh, quotation marks, the team pulled together every strand of forensic evidence to create a kind of spider's web, and in the center of it all was Philip Smith. In 20 years of working for the FSS, I've never had to deal with so much evidence in relation to one suspect. It was quite overwhelming. Obviously, he would have said that in a Burmy accent. Or the West Midlands, the West Midlands. Um, <laughs> that's a horrible attempt. I, yeah, I just find the accent funny because uh, anyone who lives in the air has such a prevalent accent, like, on God. The amount of, like, interviews I've watched for bands that have come from the West Midlands, and the accent is just so strong. I mean, yes, the Ozzy Osbourne and that, but even when I was watching, I watched interviews for Ned's Atomic Dustbin, the West Midlands accent is so strong. Um, although Smith maintained his innocence, detectives quickly gathered evidence linking him to Corcoran's death and those of the two women. Witnesses had seen him leaving the rainbow with both Corcoran and Hyde, and he was the last person to see them both alive. CCTV footage from around Birmingham showed his distinctive carvers in key locations linked to the investigation, and even captured Hyde getting out at one point to visit a chemist. Smith was seen buying petrol from a filling station and driving near the area where Hyde's body was later discovered. Corcoran was seen on camera struggling with Smith outside Monte Carlo's. CCTV footage showed him driving around Bromesgrove, a town close to Droitwick, after killing Corcoran and later footage showed him returning to Birmingham. At least two witnesses recalled seeing Smith with blood on him, a motorist who saw him buying petrol, and another who spoke with Smith about his appearance. Smith told the latter that he had been in a fight, although he had no visible signs of injury. In addition, 
to the witnesses and CCTV footage, there was substantial forensic evidence linking Smith to the murders. Investigators found over a dozen bloodstains on his car, on his clothing, and in his flat, all matching the victims. There was bloodstains on the boots, which, with which he had kicked both Corcoran and Jordan, which he was still wearing at the time of his arrest. Very smart, bloodstain on the boots and still wearing them at the time of him being arrested. Moron. Idiot. I mean, Smith had tried to clean his clothes in the bathroom's flat along with a pair of trousers belonging to Corcoran and a bag containing items belonging to Hyde was discovered outside. Detectives, detectives matched the tire marks from his car, which had four different types of tire, um, to the Worcestershire, Worcestershire murder scene and to Corcoran's body over which he had driven. Uh, paintwork and fragments of glass found in Jordan's body matched those from Smith's car, including a broken light which he had thrown into the car's boot. Smith was charged with Corcoran's murder on 17th November 2000 and remained in custody the following day. By this time, her death had been linked to the killing of Hyde. Police interviewed Smith in connection with the deaths of Hyde and Jordan on the 20th of November and charged him with their murders two days later. While awaiting trial, Smith was held as a Category A prisoner in high security Woodhill in Buckinghamshire. Now on to the trial. And although Category A prisoner, I wonder how bad that is. Category A? Let's have a look. I, 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 it just said that, so I'm not sure how they... Here we go. Category A. So. Uh, most threats to the public. The police or national security think that they could escape. So basically, they escaped that they would be a. Well, because A, A, B, and C. So D isn't an open prison. Those who can be reasonably trusted not to try to escape and are given the privilege of an open prison. Prisoners at DCAT, as it's commonly known, prisoners are subject to approval giving. ROTL release on temporary license to work in the community or to go on home leave once they have passed their FLED, fully licensed eligibility dates, which is usually a quarter of the way through the sentence. C is in closed prison, those who cannot be trusted in open conditions but who are unlikely to try to escape. B, those who do not require maximum security but for whom escape still needs to be made very difficult. And then A, um, A and B are still in closed prison, those who escape would be highly dangerous to the public or national security, thus necessitating maximum security conditions. Offences that may result in consideration for Category A or restricted status include attempted in brackets, murder, manslaughter in brackets, attempted rape, sexual assault, armed robbery, wounding with intent, kidnapping, importing or supplying Class A controlled drugs, possessing or supplying explosives, offences connected with terrorism, and offences under the Official Secrets Act. Okay, so the fact is, he's easy at the top, dog. He's an he's an A. He's a, he's with uh, yeah, he's with the top ones. He is, cause he's in um, closed prison. So, yeah, my man is deemed just a fucking highly 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 dangerous. So, in terms of the trial and sentence. 
Smith's trial began at Leicester Crown Court on 3rd of July 2001, where he pleaded not guilty to the three murder charges. Um, I must say, um, it's Leicester. That's what I wanted to say, because I know the Americans, if they Google this case, Leicester, Leicester. Yeah, how Americans pronounce like UK towns irks me. I can remember. So um, when I was doing the Birkenhead research, the amount of Americans that butchered Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh. Or Edinburgh. That was another one. I mean, I I didn't say in the episode, but you did pronounce the um, Scottish places correctly. Well, they're not hard to really pronounce. To be fair, that's why I don't understand what the how why is it so difficult when they say Edinburgh. They just go Edinburgh. There is some. There's definitely some places up here that they they, they cannot pronounce. But it's Leicester. Smith's trial began at Leicester Crown Court on the third of July, two thousand one. He pleaded not guilty to the three murder charges. The case was prosecuted by Tim Raggett, QC, and Smith was defended by Rachel Brand, QC. On the opening day of the trial, Raggett told the court that told the court there was quotation marks powerful and compelling scientific evidence linking Smith to the killings. Smith's defense was that the traces of blood found on his clothes. Now get a load of this. His defense was that traces of blood found on his clothes were there because police had tampered with evidence while the trousers belonging to Rosemary Coronin, sorry, Cora Corin, found at his flat, had been among a bag of clothes Smith had stolen from outside an Oxfam shop. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> Oxfam's a charity shop. Well, the fact is that Smith's defense was, yeah, there's blood, the blood found on my clothes, the police put that there. The police just doused that blood on my clothes. Like, fuck off, fuck off. Like, I know the police can be, like, sneaky little fucks, but I don't think they're on that level. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, when I read that, I'm like, in his head, did he imagine they'd believe it, being like, oh, yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, they have a bag of blood, that it, certain crime scenes, they go, oh, well, we'll just splash that on here, and blood of someone. The people willingly just donate blood. Was he thinking, yes, people willingly donate their blood in the sense of the police will use it to um, frame someone in a crime? Fuck off. And then, again, um, the, the trousers were found in a bag of clothes he stole from outside an Oxfam shop. Why are you stealing from a charity shop? That's low. I mean, I've actually seen people stealing from charity shops in person, and they were caught. I was in the charity shop, and the woman was foreign, and she was, like, putting in her bag, and... The staff were like, no, no, you can't do that, can't do that. And she was like, no, no, I, I want to buy, I want to. And then she was like, can I work here after that? And it's like, I, I was watching it all go down and I'm like, this is the lowest of the low, seeing someone steal from a charity shop. And I know people are desperate, but I was like, come on, can we not? But yes, were they going to believe that as well? Oh, yep, just, yep, her trousers were in a bag he stole from a charity shop. A bag of clothes, yep, just happened. Her trousers just happened to be in there, yep. This guy ain't smart. He, he definitely doesn't have any brains up there. Oh, definitely not. On the 17th of July, Smith complained of feeling unwell with chest and eye pain while under cross-examination, and proceedings were briefly halted while he was treated for the symptoms of a panic attack. 
When Smith returned to the witness stand, he said he wished to speak to his barrister. Presiding Judge Rafferty told him that he must answer questions to which Smith replied, quotation marks, I want to change my plea. I'm fed up with this. I want to change my plea. The charges were read to him again the following day and and he pleaded guilty. On the 18th of July 2001, Smith was sentenced to life imprisonment. In uh, in January 2005, uh, Birmingham Sunday Mercury Report uh, newspaper, Birmingham Sunday Mercury newspaper, reported that Smith had decided to change his plea after the police agreed to return £400 confiscated from him during a raid on his flat after his arrest. And get this, and that he wanted the money to buy Mars bars in prison. £400! I mean, back in the day, I don't know how much... Wait, how much is a Mars bar now, AP? No, a pound or something? 70, 80p to a pound at least. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. 75-ish, uh, 80p. It's, it's fucking ridiculous now for a bloody Mars bar, man. Um, Bring back, bring back Mars planets while we're on the topic. Mars planets, please. So a Mars bar was twenty nine p in the year two thousand. Yeah, and this man agreed to return four hundred pound, and he wanted to buy Mar- wanted to buy Mars bars in prison. He's getting a shit ton of Mars bars for that. And plus, I'm not being funny, but he is a bit of a chubbier bloke. So Wait. him wanted to buy Mars bars, surprise. Thousand fucking Mars bars. Yes. Why? You gotta be sick of him after that. I don't know. Maybe he needs a Mars bar. Hey, raid this bar to help me through the day. I need a Mars bar. That total fun helps me, makes me work with some play. Ooh, what a banger. Mars bar. <laughs> Never heard that. Mars bar by the undertones. What a, what a fucking tune. But I mean, Mars bars, as they say, work, make you work, rest, and play. Um. But yeah, no, there's a song by Undertones called Mars Bar, and it's about wanting a Mars Bar, of course. Um, dude, but yeah. Dude, you're from the country that made the deep fried Mars Bar. Like, of course <laughs> you're going to know that song. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And Undertones are one of my favourite bands, but yeah. Deep fried Mars Bars. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, Never had lovely. one. Lovely. Never had one. Yeah, but he just wants to buy Mars Bars in prison. Just, just a simple request. <laughs> it's just funny, because the way he's a bit more... Chubby of a person, of course, he wants to buy the Mars bars, man. I mean, he at least he picked a decent chocolate bar that he said, Oh, I want to buy. You know, if they'd maybe said, like, if he'd said, like, Oh, I want to buy bounties, maybe they wouldn't have given him the money. Yeah, but Boo. Is it bad that he wants to buy 11,000 pa- 11, Mars bars. Yeah, he wanted the money to buy Mars bars, so yes, the 400 was all for the Mars bars. That's because he said he wanted the money to buy Mars bars, I didn't say anything else, so you know. Passing sentence, Rafferty said, quotation marks, you robbed three innocent ladies of their lives. I suspect that their families will suffer the more as they simply don't understand why you did. The brutality of these ladies' deaths, designed by you uh, to evade discovery, showing the coldness with which you dispatched them, is appalling. 
should clearly have faced up like a man at the overwhelming nature of the Crown's case against you, but you chose to put the victim's families through misery, which you compounded by this trial. The motives for Smith's actions remained unclear after the trial. So there's, that's what I'm saying. There's no motives. They've remained unclear. They don't know why. But police believed, uh, quotation marks, lack of permanent sexual relations had been a contributing factor. That's what the police said. But I don't believe a lack of permanent so, sexual relations. So basically, the police have said the reason why he's killed these three women is because he wasn't shagging enough. That's what they believed. Fuck off! Go have a wanky weirdo, go buy a cock ring, go buy a freaking flashlight, you psycho! Well, him. how much is a flashlight in the year 2000? Probably fucking no. dirt cheap, because fucking, I know I've known people who have bought them, the weirdos, they're cheap anyway. Just go, just do what, just do some weird shit that is not murder. Wait, are so, sex toys very cheap? Yes, sex toys can be cheap. Just go, just go, go fuck a donut. I don't care. Just go. how much were yours? How much were mine? Uh, <laughs> twenty quid each. Like, but still. Oh no, I didn't know you had any. Whoops. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. But still, just go put your dick. <laughs> go in the back garden. Put your dick in a hole. I don't fucking care. Go, yeah, go, I... go, go put your thing. Go put your fucking tiny dick. Cause he's definitely got a tiny dick. Go put your tiny non-existent penis in a random fucking hole instead of fucking murdering mm. three women. Yeah. The, the I, whole, no, that's not a fucking excuse. I didn't get shagged. You didn't. You didn't get shagged enough. Permanent. Yeah, me. I love. And, and the way the police worded it with the whole permanent sexual lack of permanent sexualism. They didn't say like wasn't having sex. They had to say lack of permanent sexual relations. Basically, didn't have a girlfriend or didn't have somebody you could routinely have sex with. Yeah, but there's people you know, who don't. I, how can that be factor? Like, yeah, there's people who don't have girlfriends that just fuck fucking sex toys. They fuck like inflatable shit. There's there's fucking grown men that rub themselves up against balloons to get a wank. Like, come on. Like, there's people doing that shit. Do not give me this bullshit that this man wasn't shagging enough or didn't have a girlfriend, and that's the reason why he murdered people. When there's people rubbing their dicks against cars. Fuck off. Bullshit. That is true, and I mean, I said this many times beforehand. I don't have a girlfriend, and I am a virgin. Yeah. But have have I ever had thoughts about murdering women because I haven't managed to get a girlfriend in a long time or ever had sex? No. Exactly. So. And also that weird guy from America from My Strange Addiction who shagged his car. He's got a new car now, and he's shagging that one. You don't see him fucking murdering people, do you? No. Go shag your car, mate. I was a, I was going to say when you mentioned the car thing, I was like, yeah, you're definitely mentioning the the, the my strange addiction he's, he's car a guy. Taxi driver, why the fuck does he just go shag his fucking taxi? Me, half the black cab drivers want to do that anyway. I mean, seem like it that passionate. Well, they're gonna have one, but yeah, I, no, but motives have rem uh, actions remained unclear. He is um. Wait, 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 what prison's he at? Hope he's got, um, hope he's got forever blue balls. Hope he's got, like, the level of blue balls, like that episode of South Park. Hope he's walking around with it in a fucking trolley. What, is he in... Mm... 
Maybe he, HM Prison would Hill, maybe. That was the one he was held in. Everyone go send a flashlight to that prison. Smith was held as a carrier prisoner in the high security Woodhill prison. Yeah, that's what I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go go, go, go just send him a flashlight. Oh, I was about to say, the, the image of the Leicester's crown court. Golson, actually, you know what? He's probably someone's bitch anyway. No point. Um. Yeah, anyway, continue. Uh, yes, um, so yeah, there were some further inquiries, um, as a result of their inquiry into Smith's background, police launched an investigation into the death of a fourth woman who was discovered to have had links to him, Patricia Lynott. A 47-year-old divorced mother of two had moved to Birmingham from Athlone during the mid-90s. On the 23rd of October 2000, while she was employed at the Rainbow Pub as a cleaner and to look after the license, uh, licensee's children, she was found dead in the bathroom of her flat on Max Stoke Street, Broadsley Green. Uh, police believed at first that she had died of natural causes. A post-mortem failed to establish the cause of death and her body was returned to Ireland for a burial. Because Lynott had worked alongside Smith at the Rainbow uh, West Midlands Police wished to re-examine the cause of her death. Told you. Interestingly, with the last name Lynott, I was like, is that Phil Lynott? It, would, would, was she a relation to Phil Lynott? Maybe she was. That would be, You know who Phil Lynott is, yeah? Oh, you don't know Phil Lynott? Come on, Phil Lynott's a musical legend. Tonight there's gonna be a jailbreak somewhere in this town. Oh. And he is, he's Irish. Yeah. You know who he is now. Looks familiar, yeah. And it, oh, wait, yeah, yeah. Thin yeah. Lizzie? Yeah. Yeah, so it, I just realised that she might actually be related to him. Um, And she, went, she was obviously Irish if she went back to Ireland. In early 2001, investigators asked the Irish authorities for a new post-mortem, and on the 8th of March, Lynott's body was uh, exhumed by Guardia, the Guardi, for a cemetery in Athlone and taken to the city morgue in Dublin for further examination by Ireland state pathologist Dr. John Harbison. Guardi is just the Irish police. You'd fucking hate having that job, wouldn't you? Like, I'm to exhume a body that's already been buried for, like, a good few years at this point. Oh, fuck that. You don't get that job. I mean, yeah. Someone's got to do it. That's... Yeah, because exhume is when you dig out the body. Yeah, exhuming a body is a body that's been dead for, for a while. It's already been buried. So they have to re-dig it back up, take it to a morgue and do another examination on it, yeah. Yeah, well, no one knows how to bury my sweet Virginia Madison. Oh, the exclamation of Virginia Madison. Absolute banger. Uh, strung out. Just cause the one time that I, I can reference that song because someone was exhumed. So go listen to that song. I absolutely love Strung Out. Um, yes, however, the results of this autopsy also proved inconclusive. Our inquest into Lionel's death was held at Birmingham Cor uh, Coroner's court in January 2003. The hearing uh, was told that Mark's 
found on her back and an arm may have been bruising, but the pathologist who conducted the original post-mortem could not be sure how she had died because her body had lain undiscovered for up to seven days. It was also said that despite her connection with Smith, police and four pathologists had failed to establish that line had been murdered. The coroner's jury returned an open verdict. Police also conducted a routine re-examination of other unsolved murder cases dating back 20 years in areas where Smith had lived. Officers from West Midlands Police held a conference in October 2001 with representatives from several other forces including West Mercia and Gloucestershire to share information about unsolved murder cases in in their areas. Detectives interviewed Smith three times but he refused to answer their questions and no further charges were brought. And that's the case of Philip Smith. So, will we ever know um, why he committed the crime of murdering yeah. those uh, three innocent women? You never know. I mean, like- Unless he says, but it's just one of those out-of-nature cases where nothing is really there to specifically say that's why. This person committed these murders, but obviously he was a dangerous person to be categorized as a a prisoner. And, you know, at the time, it would have been a shocking news for Birmingham, and obviously the Rainbow Pub still exists. And, you know, I guess people there will remember him, or they'll know about this guy who helped at the pub, who then ended up murdering people very, very viciously. Um, You know, setting them on a fire, uh, you know, and the fact is, you know, the next day still smouldering the body and um, running over them with his car to the point where the bodies were almost unrecognisable and he used dental records. That's very concerning considering he'd never done any yeah. murders like that beforehand and they're quite brutal. It Not that it's described as very brutal, but you know what I mean. I mean, he's still like... You- He's 58, so like, there's still a chance of like him saying he's done other murders. And if he did come out and say he's done other murders, it wouldn't shock me. But stuff like that happens. Like the fact that um, a couple of years ago they found another body from Fred and Rose West. Did they? Yeah, that was a couple of years ago they found another one of the victims. Literally two years ago. I mean... So shit, that stuff happens where... More stuff gets uncovered. I mean, you know, they did the right thing of when they do further examine, uh, further inquiries or examinations, they look into other bodies found within the same area. It just baffled me how, like, after they've exhumed the body, they spot bruising. But when she was brought in, like, originally, like, they couldn't spot that. I'm just like... Yeah, I mean, I know that human error, you don't see things the first time, but when you're doing a job... When you're doing a job like that... ...this level, you can't afford mistakes. Yeah, you can't afford mistakes, you need to properly look. But, um, he's not much other than anything else, he's, he's still in prison. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I wonder what it would have been like on the telly for this new sort of being announced, because... Especially, especially people in the Birmingham area. And then, obviously, the fact is, he, he as we mentioned at the beginning, which shocked you a bit, that he, he was neighbours of um, Fred yeah. and Rose West. 
Some, this is one of those. Someone will make that connection and be like, "Oh, this is probably might have been why." It's like no, because then he would have probably copied. Yeah, and he was very young. Um, and it is. Yeah, the Rose wrestling was not that long before he got caught. I swear it wasn't. Uh-huh. Oh, uh -huh. wait, um... Well, Fred West died in 1995, so about five years. Yeah, no, five years, because he didn't even go to trial. He killed himself before he even went to trial. So, yeah, no, about five years before he got... Before this. Yeah, because it's on the page for Rose West, if you go see also. It says, Philip Smith, fellow multiple killer who was a former neighbour of the West. So that's how I came across it. Because whenever it's like someone else who was a killer was a former neighbor, yes, he was young, but it's one of those things where um, you never know if you're going to be in the vicinity or walk by someone who is a serial killer or does something. Yeah. You do never know that who you pass or, you know, because there's a million people doing a million things, so you don't know that the, the people you're neighbors with could turn out to be someone, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely horrible. Um, but yeah, that is the case of Philip Smith. There's another UK one that you can um, put under your belt that you know. Um, and I hope this man's rotting in prison because it's so fucked that this man just out of the nowhere just killed three women, and the police gave the most stupid, which well, is what we kind of believe, reason. So believe what you will and why he did the killings. But yes, I don't believe it's because he wasn't getting a shag. Fuck that. No, there's definitely something else there, and I, I would hope to God that he uh, um, gives more details and explains, and if he has done any other murders, we come to find the bodies of them. But yeah, that is the case of Philip Smith. Back to the UK for me. Yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. It's my week next week. So, no idea what you're going to pick, but we already know it's going to be gruesome. Yeah, I've got, I've got two. Got two of them. Technically, I've got three that I can pick from. I, I need to pick how depressing and gruesome I want to be. But yeah, we'll see you guys next week for another episode. Bye bye. Goodbye. And, and if you and if you and if you are a bit like got got a bit of blue balls, why don't you just go fuck a flashlight instead of killing three people? Yeah. Okay. Noted. Bye. <laughs>